Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Open your Bible with me to the sixth chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. We approach your word, Father, with expectation, enthusiasm, glory to God, because we know that the entrance of your word brings light, it brings illumination to our hearts, Father, and we, we love your word, Father. We, it is our meditation, glory to God, all the day long. We thank you, Father, that your word brings us into, into victory, your word brings us into conquest, your word gives us all that we need, it feeds our spirit. Glory to God, and we thank you for that. So we expect to see great things from the word of God tonight, and we, we thank you ahead of time that what we hear tonight will be a blessing. We'll be able to go out and act on it in specifically. From what we hear tonight, we'll be able to act on that, and our, and, and, our, and our lives will reflect it, and we'll be blessed by it, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. In uh, the fifth, beginning in the fifth chapter of Matthew, you have what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we'll go back to chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to skip over to chapter 6. But chapter 5, it says, Seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. Now, the multitude he is referring to is in the fourth chapter. In verse 25, it says, Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So this, this was a large multitude of people and said, seeing the multitude, he went up on a mountain and when he was seated, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught. And, and it wasn't just the 12 disciples. In other words, his followers came to him because if you go over to the, the end of chapter seven, which concludes the Sermon on the Mount, it says in verse 28 and 29, so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching for he taught them was one having authority and not as the scribes. So he was teaching this to his disciples, but he was teaching it also to uh, the, the mass, the masses of people, those who were hungry to hear the word of God. And so uh, in, in part of what he talked about, he talked about prayer. And so I want to talk about prayer tonight and bring up some things. And, and I want to look at some scriptures that we don't too often uh, look at uh, because they, they seem to be a little different than what we normally uh, read when we're, when we're reading on prayer. Uh, let's, let's start in verse number one of chapter six. He says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable do, deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be, done in, may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. That's what I want. I want the open reward. Praise God. I want God to open, openly reward me. Don't you? Amen. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. 
For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their rewards. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you, when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in, in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, be not, do not be like them. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. You know, a lot of people have the idea, well, God, God knows what I need. I'm just trusting God just to meet my needs. That's not what he said to do. He said, your father knows what you need before you ask him, but you're still supposed to ask him. Because there are so many things in the Bible that he tells us to ask for. And if it wasn't necessary for us to ask him, then we're just wasting a lot of time. And uh, so it says the Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him, but we still are supposed to ask. He says, therefore, in this manner, pray. It's interesting that he introduced what is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer right after saying, do not use vain repetitions like the heathen do because they think they're going to be heard for their many words. And even though he said that, people have used the Lord's Prayer in exactly that way. I remember the church, and I've told you this before, the church that I went to when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, uh, the pastor had this, he, now he was a great man. He was a wonderful man, spiritual man, and I, and I loved him. He was a tremendous pastor, and uh, so I'm not you know, just trying to down him. But he had this, this habit on Sunday morning after he finished preaching and gave the invitation, he would lead the congregation in the Lord's Prayer. And as everybody, he would have everybody stand, and we'd all pray the Lord's Prayer together. And he would back away. Of course, we didn't have wireless lapels or you know mics or anything like that, or even corded mics. It was one microphone on the podium, you know. And so he would step back, and as he stepped back, the congregation began to pray. Well, you couldn't hear him, you know. You, you wouldn't know that he'd walked away. And so he would walk. Everybody closed their eyes, and he would walk down where everybody had their eyes closed. And when everybody opened their eyes at the end of the Lord's prayer, he was in the back, so he was ready to shake hands. And it was just something we did every service. And people just prayed the Lord's Prayer, you know, out of, out of memory. And, uh, I mean, I love the Lord. And I was on fire for God. And I, I was hungry, and, you know, to get into the Word. And I was, I was feeding on the Word. I mean, the Word of God at this time in my life, you know, just became everything to me. I got up in the morning, I read it. I took my Bible with me to work. And every break I had in my lunchtime, I spent, you know, reading the Bible. When I got home, I would, I'd spend the evening, you know, uh, instead of watching TV, I'd read the Bible. I was just consumed with the Word of God. But I can tell you, after several months of that, you just start repeating something, you know, from memory and you just, you know, you just don't even think about what you're, what you're praying. And so it's just kind of funny to me that, that Jesus said, don't do that. And that's exactly what people do. There's a lot in this prayer though, that that's very interesting. And I'm not going to go into it. I just want to read through it real quick. He said, therefore, in this manner, pray our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, there's healing right there in that verse. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is no sickness in heaven. And so if God's will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven, then it has to be God's will to heal. Prosperity is in this verse. There's no lack in heaven. Nobody is mortgaging their, their mansion in heaven. 
Nobody's taking out loans, you know, to, to, to meet their needs. There is an abundance in heaven. Every need is met. He said, pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, you know, the blessings of God as we see them in heaven is what he wants us to have in our lives today. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is so important. If you want to have God's blessings in your life, you have to walk in forgiveness. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, let's skip on over to, uh, let's skip down to verse number 25. Therefore, I say, well, let's go on up and read verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. He's talking about masters. You know, you can only have one master in life, and it better be God. Amen? He said, you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God. You cannot, God wants us prosperous. He wants us to have everything, but he wants to have us. First and foremost in our life, God has to be number one. And if we'll keep number, God number one, then everything we need, he said he would supply. And so he tells us about that in verse 25. He says, therefore, I say to you, therefore, Therefore, because you're not serving money but serving God, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to a stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all, in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the, into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Thank God. Keep God first in your life and live a life of faith because you still, he still, we still have Mark 11, 23 and 24. Is that right? So we still ask him, but he said, if you put him first, seek him first and his things, he said, these things will be added to you. Praise God. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, when you lay down at sleep at night, and your mind starts ratcheting about tomorrow. What am I going to do tomorrow? I've got this to do tomorrow, and I've got that to do tomorrow. I don't have fun. I'm going to get that done. This is the verse you use right here. He said, tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, there's enough 
in today to use your faith on without trying to use your faith for tomorrow because tomorrow will have its own things to use your faith on. It'll have its own troubles. It'll have its own tests. It'll have its own opportunities to trust God. So go to sleep at night and put things, those things out of your mind. The Bible says he, he will give you perfect peace if you'll keep your mind stayed on him. Amen? Glory to God. Now, he, he uh, uh, dropped down to verse number seven. And this is really what I wanted to get to. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him it not, who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, that is just being uh, natural people, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Oh, I thank God. Every time I read that passage, those words, how much more, just go off on the inside of me. I know how much I long to see my children have the best. When my children were, were in my care, I mean, we scraped. You know, God's not scraping to get, got to get by. But, you know, we made whatever sacrifices we needed to make because we wanted our children to have the best. And we believed God for them. We believed God with them. And we wanted them to have the best of everything. We wanted them to have the best life. So we made all of the provisions that were within our ability to make to see that our kids had, had what they needed and not just what they needed, but plenty left over. How much more? Think about how much you love your children and how much you would do for them and how much you long for them to have the best in life and to, and to, to be in the best of health, to be, to be blessed financially, to have wisdom, to have good uh, relationships, to have the right kind of friends, to, have the, 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 to find the right kind of mate, uh, all of those things. How much more does our Father in heaven desire good things for us? Oh, glory to God. That's, that's, those are faith-building words right there. How much more does your Father who is in heaven uh, desire good things for those who, who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want to do, uh, men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, in how many of you are reading from a New King James Bible? You know, I started preaching from the New King, New King James Bible a number of years ago, and I know a lot of you have switched over. But I notice in the, in the heading of my King James Bible, it says keep. In this section right here above verse number seven, it says keep asking, seeking, and knocking. Does everybody, you see that? Now, my older Bibles, before I got the King James, the heading in, in some of my older Bibles just said ask, seek, and knock. But now it says keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Well, the reason for that is that uh, modern tradition uh, in the church world, modern day tradition, it's been this way for, for, for a long time, says that prayer is successful when you just keep on asking God. You just keep on asking, you just keep on asking, you just keep on asking, just, you know, just ask and ask and ask and ask and ask, and because you never know what God's gonna do. You know, he just might, this is what tradition says, God, you know, at some point may, might just decide to give you what you're asking. And the idea is that, that uh, God doesn't 
always, just like Rebecca's uh, relatives said, you can't just ask and expect God to give you what you ask for because it might not be his will. Tradition is so ingrained in people. When I was, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, I, I was, well, when my house was under construction, the uh, contractor's brother came out and he was doing some, uh, some work in the house and he mentioned something about having had his hip replaced. And uh, it was either a hip or a knee. I don't know. I think it was his hip. And, and he was complaining about uh, how he was getting along, that he was, you know, uh, he limped and, and was in pain and he was getting older. And I just, you know, as, an ad, as, a, as a word of encouragement, I said, well, you know, the Bible says that God brought the children of Israel out and, and they were, there were old people in that company. It says there was not one feeble person among them. And... Uh, uh, and God blessed them, and there was none, nobody sick, nobody feeble. And so, you know, God, God will, will uh, heal you and, and restore health to you. And he, it was like he had already been schooled in that scripture. It wasn't like he thought about it for a minute. As soon as I said, you know, God brought them out, and there was none feeble among all their tribes, he immediately said, yeah, but God did that because he had to get them ready for the journey. In other words, they were going to be on this long journey, you know, for 40 years. And so he had to get them ready for that. And I could tell right away that he wasn't, he answered me really curt. I mean, it was, he was putting me down. He's putting me in my place. Young whippersnapper, you know, he's like four years older than me. And uh, he was putting me in my religious place. And so I knew there was no point to, to discuss it with me. But I thought, go over with me to uh, Psalm 105. Five or one, I think it's 107, whichever one it is. And let's look at that. Yeah, it's Psalm 105. In Psalm 105, he starts talking about how God delivered the children of Israel and how faithful he had been to them over, you know, so many years. And, and, uh, says, when they were in verse number 12, for instance, when they were in few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one king to another, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes, saying, do not touch my anointed ones, my prophets, no harm. Uh, moreover, he called for a famine in the land, destroyed all the provision of man, sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave, uh, told what happened to him. Israel also came out of Egypt, and Jacob dwelt in the land of Ham, uh, he increased greatly. God sent Moses, verse 26, and Aaron, and they performed uh, signs and wonders and in the land of Ham. He sent darkness, made it dark. They did not rebel against his word. He turned water into blood, killed their fish. Their land abounded with frogs, even in the chamber of their kings. He spoke and there came swarms of flies and, mat and lice in all their territory. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He struck their vines also, their fig trees, splintered the trees of their territory. He spoke, locusts came out, young locusts without number, ate up all the vegetation in their land, devoured the fruit of the ground, destroyed all the firstborn of their land, the first of their strength. He also brought them out. God brought Israel out of all of that death and destruction and, and misery. He brought them out with silver and gold and there was none feeble among all his tribes. Uh, 
Now, if you, if, now this, this brother, he's a, he's a good Christian brother. You know, he said, well, God, God brought them out you know, with silver and gold. And I've heard people say, well, he gave them silver and gold because they were going into the, into the wilderness and uh, into the land of Canaan and they needed to build a tabernacle and it was gonna require all of this gold, which it did. Tabernacle that Moses constructed, I mean, it was overlaid with gold inside, everything outside. The outside wasn't overlaid with gold. The outside was covered in badger skin. So from the outside, it just looked like a tent. But from inside, it was solid gold. Well, they needed a lot of gold for that. But I also read in the Bible that, that whenever Moses went up on the mountain and had been on the mountain for, for 40 days, the children of Israel got anxious and they built themselves a golden calf. So they still had some gold. It says they took their earrings out. And among other things. And they made gold. A, a golden calf. So they had jewelry in addition to what they gave for the temple. So God, God provided abundance for them. Not just for the work of the temple. And uh, this brother said, well, God took, brought them out. You know, and they were none feeble because they had to prepare you know, for their journey. The problem is their journey was only supposed to take a couple of days, about three days. From the, from the crossing of the Red Sea to coming into to Canaan's land was a very short journey, just a few days. It wasn't supposed to take 40 years. God didn't make provision for them to be out there in the wilderness for 40 years. He took care of them, that that wasn't his plan. But he tells us right here in this verse, in this passage, why he did this. All of these things he did. Look at verse 42. Here's why. For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. That's why he brought them out with silver and gold. That's why he brought them out healthy. That's why he watched out for them and, and, and provided for them because of the covenant that he had made with Abraham. He had made promises to Abraham. He had made a covenant and that, and that covenant had passed down to his seed. Well, thank God we have the same covenant today. We're the seed of Abraham, amen? So anyway, this, this, this man, you know, he, let's go back to Matthew. He was just so, so ready to explain away the blessing of God. I tell you, tradition runs really deep. One of the traditions, like I said, is that when you pray, uh, God may or may not answer your prayer or he may, it may or may not be his will for you to have your needs met or whatever it is you're praying for. But you know, when you know the Bible, we know the word of God, you know exactly what his will is. It's, we should not be in doubt about his will and we aren't if we know the Bible. And, uh, but they, there, there's this attitude that you, you, in prayer, you just keep on pestering God. Just keep on asking and asking and asking and asking because you never know, you know. Uh, we had this saying when I grew up in church, and you've heard it too probably, God always answers prayer. We said God always answers prayer. But sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait a while. No, he doesn't. If you ask according to the word, his answer is always yes. All the promises of God, the Bible says, are yes and amen. So God always answers yes. If he answers no, you're not praying right. And, and if the answer is no, you, ha, you didn't have any business asking for it. But if you know what his word says, you know what his will is, the answer is always yes. And he doesn't say wait a while. And that was the big thing. You know, that was sort of the, that was sort of the cute little end to, the, to that little saying. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no. But 
Sometimes, and really most of the time they inferred, he says, wait a while. He'll just kind of keep you stringing along just, just to see how faithful you are and see, you know, uh, how long you will ask. So just keep on asking. Well, that's not what this passage is saying. Now, the reason translators and Bibles like this have added that word keep in there is because somebody a few years ago, back probably, I, I look at my... Uh, reference works, you know, I've got commentaries and Greek studies and, and uh, reference Bibles and so forth. And it seems like sometime around the 1960s, a lot of, uh, of uh, Greek modern uh, Bible study aids that, that, uh, that delve in the Greek, you know, and explain the Greek, a lot of those things started being really popular in the 1960s. That's where a lot of these, these uh, works came from. And one thing that these Greek scholars tell us, and now it's, it's, it's widely known, everybody repeats this, says this verse, this verse ask, this, this verb ask, in, infers continual action, ongoing acts, action. So when it says to ask, it, it doesn't just say ask, it's, it, the, the verb literally means ask and keep on asking. Stay in a constant uh, frame of asking. And so that is so in keeping with the, the doctrine that most of these people came out of. I want to tell you, even people who know the Greek, they, they'll give us some valuable explanations of what Greek words mean, but very often they still interpret it in line with their doctrine. And so they focused on the asking. So a lot of translations, if you read a lot of different translations, you'll notice that most of them say, Ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, you will find. Knock and keep on knocking it will be, and it will be opened unto you. Well, the problem with that is it's selective uh, commentary because not only is the verb ask in the continual sense, so is the word given. Asking it will be given. The word given is in the continual sense. The word seek is in the continual sense, but so is the word find. It's in the continual ongoing sense. Knock is in the continual sense. It says to knock and keep on knocking, but it also says, and it'll keep on being opened. So what Jesus was saying is, ask and keep on asking and you'll keep on receiving. Seek and you'll keep on seek and you'll keep keep on seeking and you'll keep on finding. Keep on knocking and the doors will continually be opened unto you. So God, he's not saying, he's not saying like they infer, see, ask and ask and ask and ask and ask a hundred times, and then God at one point gives you what you've asked for. Seek and seek and seek and seek for years, and then eventually God at one point decides to show you what you were seeking. No, he's saying, ask continually and you'll continually receive. You'll seek continually and you'll continually find. Not continually and it'll continually be opened unto you. Amen. He goes on to say, for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks receives. The reason everyone who asks receives is because Jesus said, ask and it'll be given to you. 
Whatever things you desire, for instance, Mark eleven twenty four. whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. As soon as you ask for anything, God gives it. If it's, a, if, it, if it's in line with the word of God, the moment you ask in faith, if it's consistent with the word of God, and that's the only way you can really have faith, the moment you ask in faith, God gives it. Now, we live in a natural realm and because we live in a natural realm, it takes a little bit of time sometimes for natural circumstances to change. Are you following me? If your body is, has disease in it, the moment you ask for healing, healing is, is automatic because Jesus has already provided, provided it and God moves. But you see, because we live in the, in, the, in the physical realm, sometimes our bodies don't look like they change right away. That doesn't mean God didn't heal you. That doesn't mean God didn't answer your prayer. He answered when you ask. And that's why I said everyone who asks, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. To everyone who knocks, it is opened unto him. Amen. Now, Go over with me. I want to read this over in, in Luke's gospel because Luke brought out some things that neither Matthew nor Mark brought out. Let's go to the 11th chapter of Luke. Luke chapter 11. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he had ceased praying that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now this is not the same Notice that he said, when you pray, pray our Father who is in heaven. He gave him what we call the Lord's Prayer. This was not, sometimes Bible uh, people, they try to align everything and make everything harmonize. But sometimes Jesus taught the same thing at two different, on two different locations and two different occasions. The first time, he was teaching a multitude. This time, he was teaching a certain disciple said, Lord, teach us to, to, to pray. So this was a, a, de, a, separate, a separate setting. Jesus taught the same thing to more than one uh, uh, group of people. You notice I, I teach the same thing sometimes. Have you ever noticed that? And it's necessary to get that across. So he, they said, teach us, to, or he said, teach us to pray. So Jesus said, you know, pray our Father who is in heaven, so forth. And then he said, verse five, which of, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, load, lend me three loads. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me. I cannot rise and give you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give him because he, was his, he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, the, other, the older King James says his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now, a lot of people have tried to draw a direct parallel between the, the, the characters in this story and us and our father. But if we do that, then God is asleep and in bed. So you can't draw a parallel 
in that way. He's just giving a principle. He's not saying that this is God's, the way God acts. He's just making a point here because remember, he's talking about prayer and he's going to, in verse number nine, he's gonna teach again the ask, seek, and knock principle. So before he does that, he gives this illustration. He said, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loads? For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. That's a pretty miserable place to be in. And your, the friend will answer from within. Your friend will answer from, the, from within and say, leave me alone. It's midnight. The children are in bed. I'm in bed. I am not getting, what are you doing knocking on my door at midnight? That's pretty rude. Jesus said, I say to you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs, as many loaves as he needs. So again, the traditional view is you just keep on bothering God, just keep on bothering him and bothering and bothering him. And, and, and even though he's not even interested in you, he will just, to get you off his back, he'll just give you whatever you desire. That's the way a lot of people view prayer. They just feel like they just keep bothering. Just wear God down. You know, just stay after him and stay after him. And he finally says, you know, I'm going to have to do something for sister so-and-so because she won't leave me alone. This word that's translated persistence was translated importunity in the older King James. And I did some research on this. And the word means shamelessness. Because of his shamelessness. Another uh, uh, synonym it used was imprudence. Because of his imprudence, his shamelessness. You know, it's, it's shameful to go to somebody at midnight. You know, you didn't, you didn't make provision and now you want it to be somebody else's problem. Who would go to, who would go to, to you wouldn't appreciate it, Zach, somebody come knocking on your window at night saying, hey, I, I, my relatives came and I don't have any you know, food to give. You would think, what kind of an idiot is this? <laughs> that is a shameful, ridiculous thing to do. But what the point here is in asking our asking God has to, sometimes has to be shameless. In other words, there are times in our lives when you, the enemy will tell you, listen, you don't have any business going to God with this because, you know, if you had done better, things would be different. You, has, has the enemy ever told you anything like that? You know, this is your own problem. My wife Angela talked about that a few times. She's had situations in her life, you know, where she really didn't want to pray for something because she realized the, the, the predicament she was in was of her own doing. The enemy will rob you oftentimes by he will trick you into falling for something and then when you fall into it and then you want to reach out to God, he'll tell you, well, you, sh you shouldn't ask for God. You shouldn't have been in this mess. He's responsible for it to begin with. Now, it's not all God's fault, you understand. But even, even, when, we are, even when we yield to the devil, it was still the devil. This scripture is telling us to be shameless in our asking. When we go to God, don't, don't, don't even think about uh, wh whether you deserve it or not. If, if, if the word of God 
promises you something. Now, you do need to recognize if you've messed up. But that is an easy thing to do. It is the easiest thing in the world to receive forgiveness and restoration. When you've messed up, you don't have, God is not interested in you and you slobbering, you know, for a week and beating yourself up, you know, and giving yourself lashes on the back. And he's not interested in that. If we confess our sins, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us right then. And, and, and not only just not only sins, but even just mistakes. Sometimes we do things and we're in the situation we're in because of a lack of wisdom. Maybe it's not like acts of sin, but sometimes it's just disobedience. We didn't follow his leading. We, he told us not to do something. We did it anyway. Or we, he told us to do something and we didn't do it. The enemy will come to you and say, listen, you don't deserve anything from God. You need to square your shoulders and be shameless in your asking. He said, this, this man yielded to these people because they were so shame. In other words, I'm in bed. Nobody should be asking me for this. But this clown is so, he is so clueless. He doesn't even have the good sense to know that you don't ask anybody at midnight when they're in bed to get up and feed them. He said because this, it wasn't just their persistence, it was their shamelessness in asking. That they didn't have any more sense. They didn't have any better sense to know that you don't do that. The devil wants to give you too much sense. He'll try to make you think that you don't need to, to ask for things because you know this or that and the other. Be shameless in your asking. Be courageous in your asking. Be bold in your asking. If it's in the Bible, if it's in the word of God, listen, if, you've, if you're disobedient, get that squared up with God. But then go back to asking and, and, and asking fully what, what you need. If the, if the Bible says it's yours, go for the whole thing. Amen. I, I, I want all the silver and gold that's coming to me. He said he, he brought them out with silver and gold. He said, I will bless your silver and your gold. The man read it tonight. He said, I'll, I'll, when your silver and gold is multiplied, when your cattle is multiplied, when all that you have is multiplied, he said, don't get lifted up in pride. Just remember that it's the Lord who gives you the power to get wealth. It's not because I'm in love with money. I'm in love with being a blessing. Amen. Oh, I, I, years ago, my wife and I learned the joy of giving. And it's never when we go to a meeting and they have an offering, you know, that's being raised or if I see somebody in need. I've, I've gotten in years ago, I got in the habit of just keeping money with me. I always want to know. You might not be able to do this, but I always have hundreds of dollars with me everywhere I go. Because whenever a, a situation arises and I meet somebody and they have a need, if the Lord deals with me, and, you know, he doesn't for everybody I talk to. He's not trying to break me. You know, just because somebody has a need, I don't respond to it. But when the Spirit of God prompts me, I've always got resources with me. And when I, oh, it's such a joy. Such a joy to be able to get. I live for that. Well, to do that, you have to be blessed. If you want to be a blessing, you've got to be blessed. Now, I know I've run over, but I tell you what, be shameless in your asking. Be courageous in your asking. Don't let the devil put you in a corner, make you feel bad, make you feel like you don't deserve it. If, it, if the Bible promises it, if it's our covenant right, bless God, go for it. Amen. Well, praise the Lord.
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.